Good morning, church. How are we? Oh, man. You guys are getting better every week. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Ben Hurt. I have the privilege of being the, the pastor here. Let me invite you to do what we do around here, and that is what? Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. Now, we've talked previously in past weeks about the fact that God's Word is one of His greatest gifts that we have ever receiving, re- received. And I don't think that can be overstated. I mean, think about this. God used 40 different people plus authors to write this glorious love letter to us to tell us all about himself. And he intends for it to be our treasure. God's word says all scripture is breathed out by God. And it's not enough to own a Bible and open it on Sundays and then put it back on the shelf when you get home. Right off the bat, let me make sure that we understand first and foremost, though, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Amen? Not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. We cannot be saved by good works. We must understand that. Reading our Bibles every day won't save us just as much as not reading it every day won't condemn us to hell. Salvation is a gift from God. Amen? However, we must be careful that we don't take the word of God too lightly. Our guard must be up to fight against thinking that just because God saved me, it doesn't mean that I don't have to read my Bible. I can do what I want to do. There is a a proper response that we must have in approaching the word of God. There is a proper response that we should have in light of our salvation and the magnificence of what God has given us in his Word. Now, throughout my life, uh, certainly I'm sure you could relate with me, there are times where I respond differently to God's word. There are, there are seasons, even as a pastor, where my heart is just dry. My heart's heavy. You ever have those seasons where you open up God's word and it's like going in one ear and out the other without really sinking in? Recently, I just went through that season where I'm praying, I'm asking God to speak to me, and I'm opening up his word, and it's like this dry season. We go through that. There are other seasons where I open up God's word, and I'm asking, what in the world am I reading? (laughs) You ever read through Daniel, read read through Isaiah, some of the, the prophets in the Old Testament, and like, what are they saying about end times? You ever open up the book of Revelation and you are so confused on what is going on? Are these things that have literally happened? (laughs) Are these things that are literally going to take place? Are these figures that they are describing real creatures that we're going to run into? Because if I ran into that in the middle of the night in some alley somewhere, I think I might freak out. (laughs) What am I supposed to believe about end times? About About the tribulations that are coming? About the thousand year reign? Anybody with me here when you just open up God's word and you are absolutely confused? But you know what? There are also seasons where I open up God's word and it is water to my thirsty soul. It is cleansing for my sinful heart. 
And there are far more often times like that where I encounter the living God who meets me right where I am. Who, when I am idle, he exhorts me. When I am weak, he helps me. When I'm faint of heart, he is gentle. God's word is his grace for our lives. And we must have a proper response when it comes to God's word. And that's what Psalm 119 does for us. So let's look at it together. Psalm 119, I'm just going to read a a short passage of this. Uh, I'll start reading. Follow with me in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. And fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the joy it is to gather, to sing. To sing of your glorious grace. Lord, thank you for the word that you've given us that we can open up and find life in it. God, help us to respond to your word and to look at it appropriately. Lord, we confess there are, there are times where we are heavy-hearted. There are times when we're, if we're honest with ourselves, hard-hearted. There are times when your word is a burden to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, especially in those seasons, that we would delight. God, that we would see your word as the treasure that it is. God, that nothing in all this world will compare to how we feel about your word. And God, we need your help to change us. Because far too often we we fall for the traps of this world. And we love the things of this world, world more than we love your word. And so God, would you help us this morning? Would you open our eyes to see the glorious grace of your word and what it is for us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 119 is, of course, the longest psalm in the book, and it's actually the longest chapter in the Bible, thus the reason why we are only reading a portion of it this morning. And according to my notes here in the ESV Study Bible, this is, psalm is an acrostic poem of 22 stanzas. Notice there are eight verses in each one. And each of these stanzas follows the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So within a stanza, each verse begins with the same Hebrew letter. That's, that's the different highlights that you have every eight verses. And so that's the way this is built up. And this is a wisdom psalm. And, at, and it is a celebration of the beauty of God's word. I don't know if you have a title of chapter 119 in your Bible, but my title says, Your word is a lamp Unto my feet. And that's taken right out of verse 105. And that is the gist of what this psalm is explaining. It's talking about what was given to God's people. It's the greatness of God's word. And I would encourage you this week to spend more time meditating on Psalm 119. In fact, at the end, one of the action steps is going to be to do that. So that we 
remind ourselves of this gift that God has given us. And so let's talk about the proper response to God's word. The first thing I want you to know is the first thing that we are called to do is this. Devote yourself to God's word. Devote yourselves to God's word. Look again at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. There are three responses that we're going to talk about. The first one, as I said, is this. Devote yourselves to God's word. We are called to give our time to God's word. We shouldn't approach it haphazardly. We should not treat the Bible as something optional for us, as if we could take it or leave it. Sometimes I think we approach God's word like we do insurance. How many of you, when you get the policies for insurance, deliberately read through everything? How many of you do that? <laughs> A couple of you do. Like, we, we're going to give you the policies and have you, like, give us the cliff notes of it, right? Often, what we do is we get a new insurance policy, and maybe we look through a little bit, but we're like, you know what? I don't need to worry about this. I'm covered. I'm good. I'm going to set it on my shelf. Fast forward some time. Something happens health-wise in your family, and then you're asking, like, wait, is this covered or is this not? Like, our, uh, for instance, our car insurance, we had a crack pop up in our window from a rock hitting it. And so I'm like, wait a minute, is the windshield covered or is it not? And so what do you do? You go on the shelf or, or actually you're like, hey, honey, do you, act, do you know where the insurance policy is? Uh, do you know where we're supposed to look this up? And so we scrounge around and we finally find it and then we're looking up and then we need an interpreter for what it's actually saying. And then we finally figure out, yes, it's covered or no, it's not covered. And sometimes that's how we approach God's word. Like, oh, you know what, I got my salvation, I got my hell insurance, I'm free from hell, I'm going to put the Bible on the shelf, and when I need it, I'll pull it out. And then we find ourselves in a trial, in a struggle, and then we're all of a sudden, we're under, where, are you, where are you, God? And God's like, I've been here the whole time. It's in that book that you throw on the shelf when you get home from church on Sunday. Like, the truth and the reality is, is that we are called to devote ourselves to God's word, not treat it like our insurance that we read only when we need it. Because the reality is there's never a moment in our lives where we don't need the word of God. And one thing that I help, think will help us in our love for God's word is understanding its benefits. We need to learn to look at God's word not as something that we have to do, but rather we should look at it as what it can do for us. Notice what Psalm 103 verse 2 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What's one reason why we struggle so much in our Christian life? I think a lot of it has to do with we just forget who our God is. It's because we fail and struggle to open our Bibles throughout the week. Just look at the promises and the glorious benefits of God's word right here in Psalm 119. 
And notice the first three verses are kind of like a, a cause and a response. Like, like if we do something, something happens for us. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? Why should we devote ourselves to God's word? It's because it's our protection. It is something that guards us. Something that draws us near. It keeps our way pure. And so we need to guard our ways according to the word of God. Uh, this season right now, it's, it's goose season. Have you noticed all the baby goslings everywhere? Uh, we were at the island park. You know the island park in Elkhart? Uh, I don't know what that's called. But uh, we were hanging out there with some friends this week. And at some point we are in the river just like right in the rocks there. It's very shallow. Kids were playing around in there. And then, of course, they took their shoes off to get in the water. And then they come up onto the mainland. And all of a sudden they see about 50 geese across the park. And barefoot, they're tramping through the grass. Guess what's all over the grass? Like poo. And here's the thing, you don't mess with a goose and its goslings. Have you ever tried that? If you want to find out, why don't you go find out yourself, but don't let your little ones go do that. So our kids are seeing, it's the boys, of course, uh, are seeing these geese, and so they want to chase them. I'm like, guys, be careful, because if you get close to those goslings, that mother goose will come after you. Right? They are vicious about protecting their babies. And that really is the same thing that we are called to do with our ways. How does a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it. We need to be vicious against the sin that so easily entangles us. We have to devote ourselves to God's word because sin is creeping at our door. Notice another benefit that we see in verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So, so what is a benefit from devoting ourselves to God's word? It keeps us from wandering. It keeps us from being distracted away from our Father. Aren't there a million different distractions in our world today that draw us away from him? Some things are good. But the truth is, if we want to keep ourselves from wandering from the Lord, how do we do that? We devote ourselves to the study, to the Word of God. Notice verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that what? I might not sin against you. Part of devoting yourself is to memorizing it. It's to hiding his word in your heart. And I love what it says here. Actually, I don't like the word hidden. Uh, your, your translation may say hidden. I actually like the word store. Because hidden is sort of like what you do at Christmas time when you hide your gifts from your kids. Have you ever hidden a gift and then like two months after Christmas, you open up that pantry or closet and you find that gift that you were supposed to give your kid for Christmas? Like <laughs> we don't want to hide God's word in that way. I'm like, oh, I forgot that. Like we want to store it up. We want to get ready so that when the time comes when I need that scripture, God reminds me. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what God's word says. So often I think we get ourselves in a mess spiritually is because we just don't know the promises of God. All God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. That's not just a song we sing. That song came from 2 Corinthians. We find our yes in Christ. 
If God's word says it's true, then guess what? It's true. And we can bank on it. So we have to ask ourselves, are we devoted to God's word? Do you approach the Bible not as something that you have to do, but rather understanding of how beneficial it is for you? It helps to protect you. It keeps you from wandering. It helps you fight against sin. Brothers and sisters, this morning, if you find yourself wandering, if you find yourselves weak, taking on the darts of the enemy, it could be the fact that you are not devoted to the word of God. What a great gift that he's given us in this book. Devote yourselves to God's word. Look at verse 13. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. Here's a second response that we should have to God's word. Declare God's word. Declare God's word. God's word is not meant only to be meditated on. It's not meant only to memorize or to mull over it in small group, to preach it in church. It is meant to be declared. The Bible is God's good news to the world. We aren't meant to just sit on it. Now keep your finger here and turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This is so important for us to understand. You know, I think so often in church we want to put ourselves in a cocoon and protect ourselves from the world, which I think is, there's a, there's a wise part of that. We, we should protect ourselves from the world, but we can get so caught up that Jesus didn't say, hey, get as far away from the world as you possibly can. What did Jesus say? Be in the world, but not of the world. We have to remember that we are God's messengers of his good news to a dying world. Romans 10, starting in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's my heartbeat of why we as a church have gone through Acts. If you're relatively new to us and you came in during the middle of Psalms, we uh, took a break from the book of Acts, but Acts is all about the advancement of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the end of the earth. And the heartbeat, the call for us is that we contribute into the delivery of God's word to the end of the earth. I mean, just, just feel the weight of that this morning. We hold in our hands the Bible that was brought from the other side of the world. Started in Jerusalem. We are nowhere close. They didn't have airplanes back then. Can't imagine they have big ships that would just function like they do today. And here we hold 
the words that were spoken 2,000 plus years ago. Is that not amazing? That was brought to us because of the faithful delivery of people who loved God and his word. A work that was a sobering work. I mean, here's the sobering reality. Do you realize that people lost their lives so that we would have the Bible in a language that we understand? I think of William Tyndale, who was strangled and burned at the stake for translating the Bible because he valued it so much. He understood the necessity to declare God's word because he knew how could people understand? How could they come to Christ unless somebody preaches the word? How can the neighbors in your neighborhood know of Jesus unless somebody tells them of him? What about those in your own household? Your extended family, those that you work with. We're not called just to hoard God's word to ourselves, to protect ourselves and feel good about the people who come to church. Like, I mean, here's, 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 the, here's the thing. Like, many of you are here because you like the smaller church feel. And I, and I would agree. I like the smaller church feel. But here's the thing. Would you be satisfied if we just lived the rest of our lives? The church never added a single soul. Would you be happy with that? If it meant that people went to hell because we cared more about our thing than we did about extending outside of our walls. My heart aches for myself for this, of how often I can just think inwardly and how I failed to reach out. But God didn't give us his word so that we would just love it ourselves and memorize it and talk to one another about it. Certainly that's part of it. But he also meant for us to go outside the walls. We are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Brothers and sisters, are you praying for opportunities to share the good news? Are you searching for opportunities that you might declare the beauty of Jesus Christ? How beautiful are the feet that brings the good news. Declare God's word. Look at verse 14, Psalm 119. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Jump to 16. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Here's the third response to God's word. Delight in it. Delight in God's word. Perhaps of the three points that I've shared this morning, this one is the most important. For if we delight in God's word, if we love it, if we take joy in it, then we will devote ourselves to it. We will be motivated to declare it to those around us. After all, what do we do with the things that we love most? We delight in them. We share them. Men, when you find a woman that you love and that you want to spend the rest of your life to, what do you do? You go buy that ring, right? I don't know about you, but when I bought that ring, it was costly. 
but it was worth it. And I remember when we were engaged, I would take lunch breaks, drive over to her house, say hello, and then I had to drive back because my lunchtime was over. <laughs> it's a little bit crazy, but not when you love someone, right? Like I was, I delighted in Nikki. It wasn't hard to do that. I didn't care if I missed my lunchtime. I just wanted to go see my future bride. And how much more precious is God than even our own spouses? And our own children, that we would delight, that we couldn't wait to get into his word. That we would remind ourselves of its beauty. How often do we view God's word this way? That we approach it with excitement, with joy. But if we're honest, there are some times where we approach God's word as if it's burdensome. You ever find yourself there? I've... I've been there. I still have seasons where it feels like a burden. And it's in those moments where I need to remind myself of what God's word means to me. And what God's word means to us. Just notice that even for the limited amount of scripture that it had, it was not burdensome to them. We see this from the, the, the psalmist who wrote chapter 119. It is loaded with this understanding that, that it's a delight to be in God's word. I mean, think about that. I mean, how much scripture could this guy possibly have? He couldn't have the Psalms because he's writing one of them. He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't know of Jesus crucified. And yet, he looks at the limited amount of scriptures. This would most likely be like the first five books of the Bible. And he found delight in them. Let's just look through Psalm 119, go towards the beginning of the chapter. I'm just going to point out several of these verses that point to the fact that we are called to delight in God's word. This is not something that is a burden to this writer. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. What's his response to God's righteous rules? Oh, great, another rule to follow. Is that, what it, is that his response? Oh, God's robbing me of fun because here's another rule I have to follow. Now, what does he do? Oh, Lord, I praise you. If God gives us word that says don't do this, guess what? That's for our good. Verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I mean, here's a man who, with his whole heart, as we've already read, He's looking. He wants to seek him. That, that is somebody who takes delight in God's word. This is not a burden to him. Verse 14, in, this, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Perhaps he's somebody who has property. He's got money. He's got wealth. And he looks at this as like, God, this doesn't even compare to your word. Think about that. You know, I, we have had seasons in our life where we have struggled to make ends meet as a family. Not in that season now, but like there were, there were, there were, they, God allowed that season for us to realize, you know what, God, you are greater than any treasures we could possibly have. And as God has allowed us to have a little bit more, it's all the more true. I'm like, none of this satisfies. Because you, when, when you get a little bit more, what do you find yourself wanting? A little bit more. And I'm coming to realize it never stops. 
And it's like you just have to understand, no, Lord, you are all satisfying. And it is true for me. God's word is more satisfying than anything this world has to offer. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Perhaps when we're in a season of burden, it's a burden to us to be in God's word. We should ask, our, ask God, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Lord, it's a burden to me right now, but help me to see the wonderful things about it. That's a good prayer. Listen, it's not, it's not wrong necessarily for us to look at the word and approach it as if it's a burden. The wrong part is when we just dismiss it altogether then because, you know, this is too burdensome for me. No, that's when we plead all the more, God, help me. I know it's great for me. I know it's good for me. But right now it just feels like a burden. Do you realize that we are in a battle against the enemy who does not want us to find joy in God's word? Because he knows if we do, then we will put off the things of our flesh. We've got to fight against those feelings and those emotions because they lie to us. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. I mean, notice that. I mean, isn't that what you want? Oh, Lord, make me so consumed with your word that I just can't get enough. And it's his rules that he's consumed with. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. There's a thought for today's world. How often do we go to what the world has to say about internal struggles that we have. I see this all over the place. We're more concerned about what psychology has to say to us than what God's word says to us. Let me, let me preface that by saying I, I think there are times where things are, are, are physical. I'm not saying that psychology has nothing to offer. But if we are looking that and putting that above God's word, that is a very dangerous place, brothers and sisters, to be. Take every thought captive to what? The obedience of Christ. Please hear me again in that. I want to make sure I'm clear. I'm not saying that psychology has nothing to offer. I think it does, but only as it matches God's word. They are our counselors. Verse 28. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. This is a person who's longing for God's word. And notice the struggle. This isn't somebody who just, who just like Cinderella in the morning, the birds are singing, dances to the Bible. <laughs> I don't do that. Often i got to pull myself away from the phone that's dinging at me, calling me to turn it on and check out what happened overnight, which was nothing important. Verse 32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I'm just going to stop there. I have several more that I was going to say. But you get the point. 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Brothers and sisters, the, the worst thing we could think is that God gave us a bunch of rules to restrict us. They weren't actually, they're not actually meant to restrict us. They're actually meant to free us. Free us from us. Because our flesh leads us astray. Our flesh lies to us. And we need something outside of us to fight our own fleshly desires. 
That's why his commandments are not burdensome because they actually help remind us, hey, you have this thing inside you called the flesh that will take you to your grave if you let it. I'm throwing these warning signs out to you so that you don't find yourself in a hole. You don't find yourself blending with the with the thinking of the world to make you think that what you believe is good and then you want to try to blend God into it. It doesn't work. God's word is there to protect us. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. My apologies, I don't have it on the screen, but listen to what Tozer said. I'll read it twice. Unless we get to know what God is like, unless we know God we will accept all the superficial nonsense that passes for Christianity today. Our perception of God determines our perception of worship. Let me read that one more time. Unless we get to know what God is like, unless we know God, we will accept all the superficial nonsense that passes for Christianity today. Our perception of God determines our perception of worship. We could also say this, our perception of God's word will determine how much time we will spend meditating on it. Is that true? Like if we think God's word is burdensome, if we think it's just a bunch of rules that restrict me, guess what? We're going to have a self-fulfilling prophecy that's going to keep us from going to God's word because we know when we read it, it's just going to be too hard to understand. It's just going to be too difficult. It's just going to be a burden. It's going to have to be another thing I've got to do. I'm going to be reminded of how much I fail and when I don't do what I'm supposed to do. That's why we look at the whole counsel of God, right? But here's the vicious cycle that happens. And I am not immune to this. If I tell myself that God's word is boring and it's too hard and too much for me to take in, then I'll spend less and less time on it. Thus, every time I try to go back, I'll be reminded of how much it is boring and too much of a burden. But if I continually go back to God's word and remind myself, Lord, this is what your word says. I need to be reminded of it. And I need to renew my mind. Then God's word becomes beautiful. And there are less and less times. The older I get, the more beautiful God's word becomes. But it didn't get that way because of osmosis, where I just put my hand over the Bible and it just all of a sudden, I feel great about it. <laughs> like you got to open it. You got to fight sometimes. You got to plead with the Lord. You got to fight against your flesh. Your flesh is going to tell you, go do something else. You ever like watch TV for a long period of time, like just binge watch over a weekend? And then after that, like, All you want to do is what? Watch more TV. The more we devour God's word, the more we devote ourselves to it, the more delight we take in it. You know, I used to not really care much about board games. Um, I, I just got, especially as a father, you can only play certain games a certain amount of times. You know what I'm saying? Like, shoots and ladders is fun for maybe the first turn. <laughs> Candyland. You can only do so much with Candyland. And, and I remember just, like, thinking, I, I just don't. I'm just not a board game guy. And even, like, the, the, the older kid games, you know, like Monopoly, 
things like that, they just get so boring. And then all of a sudden, like, somebody opened up my eyes to see, you have no idea, these aren't board games. And all of a sudden, like, I found, like, these podcasts and these YouTube videos of, of people who would highlight different, different board games. And all of a sudden, I found there's this whole new world. And I just started studying and reading about all these different games and and I started buying them, and my kids loved it and created this great atmosphere for our family of, of family time. But here's the thing. I never would have found out how awesome the board game world is if I didn't do, take time to devote to it. I wouldn't have delighted in it if I wouldn't have spent time researching it. The same thing is true with God's word. We're not going to delight in it if we don't take part in it. Just like a relationship with your spouse. How does it go when you neglect one another for long seasons of time? How's that relationship going to go? Is that going to go well? No. It's going to fall apart. That's why you have to take delight in one another. You have to get to know one another. And the more you get to know one another, the more you love one another because you realize, like, this person knows the worst. Like, Nikki knows the worst of me. You guys have no idea how messed up I am. (laughs) She does. And yet she loves me all the more. And when we understand who God is, we understand that he's not this angry God with a gavel who wants to strike you on the head every time you mess up. But you won't find that out if you don't take time to delight in his word. Let's not think that we can grow as believers if we don't feed ourselves. Just like a child will not grow if he is not fed properly. Delight in God's word. Are you delighting in his word regularly? Are you fighting through the seasons of dryness that will come? Are you fighting through seasons where it seems as though God's face is hidden from you? Are you fighting that by pressing all the more into God and his word? Don't allow your flesh to lead you to withdraw away from his greatest gift that he's given you. Remember Psalm 119 and spend time meditating and praying through what it says. Hide it, guard it, store it in your hearts. And as we wrap up things this morning, let me just give you some action steps. encourage you this week, memorize Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Maybe you will have a different verse throughout Psalm 119. Go through it. 105 is a great one. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But memorize. Memorize scripture. Hide it in your heart. Guard it in your heart. Read Psalm 119. This week, encourage you. Let that be your devotion. You could spend, don't, don't feel like you have to sit down and read through it in one sitting. There are many verses, as you see. There are 176 verses. So maybe for this next seven days, you dedicate 176 divided by 7. Use a calculator if you're not a math major. Read that many verses or just stop. Meditate on each verse. Pray through it. Pray, Lord, this is true of your word because it says. And then third thing there, I encourage you, ask yourself, what lies are you believing? 
Are there certain things that you think about God's word that are keeping you from it because you're believing lies? God will give you the wisdom as you seek him and he wants you to understand something, he will give you the wisdom. There are things as a pastor, maybe this will make you want to leave the church, that's okay, that I just don't understand. I look at it and I'm like, I have no idea what this is saying. But if God wants me to know and understand everything, then I'll understand it. His spirit, if you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Isn't that amazing? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. We have this great gift in his word. We have this great gift in his spirit that we can lean into and plead. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you got to plead. Plead with God's word. Plead with him that he would give you understanding. Fourthly there, make a plan. Make a reading plan. What are you going to read through? If you need help with that, reach out to me. Um, I would love to just kind of help you see where you're at, maybe give you some thoughts of, a, of a, a book of the Bible to read through. Men, if you can be there on Thursday morning at 6.30, start with First Peter. What a great book to go through. But have a plan. Have a plan. Um, can, I, can I mix things up for you and the band? Can we just, can I have you guys come forward, all, all of you? Can we sing Great Is Thy Faithfulness? Dave, you got one more in you for that? <laughs> They're going to come forward. We're going to sing that. But let me pray as they, as they do. I'd love to just be reminded of God's faithfulness, his faithfulness through his word. I'm throwing them a curveball, so pray for them now. <laughs> um, but, man, God's been gracious to us in giving us his great gift of the Bible. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word Thank you that you have not left us on our own. God, you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God, your word is not burdensome as we sometimes look at it. Lord, would you help us? I pray for the man or the woman, the boy or girl here who maybe is in a season where they're finding your word burdensome. Lord, would you just gently... Remind them today, Lord, that you, you don't intend for us to be overwhelmed, Lord. Jesus came because we can't get it right. <laughs> and Lord, would you revive our hearts, revive, revive the hearts of those who are in a cold season, in a heavy season, in, one, in, in a season of darkness, Lord. Would you break through? Would you help them to fight through it, Lord? Would you give them the grace to change their hearts? Lord, I've seen you do that where I haven't done anything. I'm just cold. And then, and then you show up powerfully. Would you do that for that person this morning? And God, I'm convinced that if we don't set up some kind of goal or plan that we're going to open up and read a certain part of Scripture, Lord, often we don't do it then. Would you lead us? God, remind us of your faithfulness, Lord, that even when we stumble and fall and neglect your word, God, that if we've truly repented of our sin and placed our faith, Lord, you cling on to us. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing of God's faithfulness this morning.